Thank you, Tim. Let me get you another water. Okay. Morning. Hope you're doing okay? I'm having a great time. Uh, as we consider the issues of the day we live in, I do appreciate your prayers. Uh, thank you. I do appreciate your prayers, not only for our work, uh, but for a lot of the gospel ministries, because we see the world in turmoil. Uh, there's always a desire to have uh, government officials uh, and uh, others to sort of step up and kind of uh, do something. Uh, but the real answer is going to be not just using uh, those, those avenues as is appropriate, uh, but the real answer is the gospel itself. And it just becomes more and more of an obvious thing of the world in desperate need. Appreciate your prayers for the peace of Jerusalem. Uh, the congregations, I'm privileged to help plant. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem, the peace of Ramallah. Uh, we want everyone to know the Prince of Peace. Uh, that's the only way there'll be peace. And so appreciate your prayers uh, for all that. Uh, when you came in, you received an envelope. Did you get one of those? If you got left out, I don't want you to feel like this is the separation of the sheep and the goats. Uh, no, no, we have enough for everyone. Uh, raise your hand if you can get one. We have a few thousand left. We can probably find one for you. Okay, I see those hands. Just, you may need, it may be a little bit aerobic after a while, you know what I mean? Just got, either hand will do. We're even-handed here. We're that way, so any hand will do. Uh, but uh, I need one, too. Can I have one as well? Thank you. Uh, if you fill this out, we'll send you our newsletter. They're on the table in the back. You'll find out more of what's going on, not only amongst Jewish people around the world, but more about how our Bible uh, is really something that is so relevant for our lives today. Understanding the context of the text uh, as a Jewish book, uh, all the prophets, apostles, you know, the Lord himself. So it's written in a Jewish context, so it helps us to understand uh, the meaning more, more effectively so we can apply it. Uh, so that'll be helpful to you, more of what God's doing. Uh, as you know, I've been over in Israel quite a bit of late and uh, doing a lot of ministry there. We're seeing congregations getting planted. Thank you for your prayers. Going back over again, please remember us in prayer. Uh, we believe with all our heart that not only is the gospel the only answer, it is so desperately needed now, we have to do everything we can. And so please remember us before the throne. Uh, congregations are getting planted in a variety of places throughout the country. It's just glorious uh, to see what God is doing. Uh, we had an outreach uh, in Beersheba, uh, and there we saw so many people coming to faith. Uh, it was really just wonderful. Please Thank you for your prayers. If you're a visitor here, this is a congregation that prays and believes God's word. Uh, so please uh, pray with us and believe God's word along with us, if you will. Uh, by the way, a few other things. Germany, we're doing conferences over there, outreach, congregation planting. Now, that's kind of, it looks like man bites dog, as a, you know, because it's a little, little ironic. Uh, but the Lord has opened up a door. Hundreds of thousands of Jews have returned to Germany. Uh, and so some publishers are over wanting to get my books translated into German. We've been planting congregations there since the early 90s. 
so remember us in prayer. We want to see a whole lot more going on in various parts of the world. Uh, it's just outrageous, the doors that are open. Uh, and so I appreciate your prayers. Uh, some of you are aware uh, that we're training planters in Israel. Uh, remember that in prayer. Uh, we're going over for more of that as well. Uh, there's a lot of things going on. Uh, just a number of materials on the back table, and uh, one of my favorite people here are going to be at the back table to assist you uh, with the materials, so don't feel like, you know, Sam, you can't be talking to people. You have to be taking care of stuff. No, we've got that covered. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, but uh, the materials back there I think you'll find very interesting. Uh, what I'll be touching upon today uh, comes from my book, Messianic Discipleship. Uh, good news, the, uh, my commentary on Ruth. Uh, the people who did the DVD series on the Feast of the Bible for my, my book on Messiah and the Feast of Israel, uh, they came out with a DVD series just out this week. Uh, you can pre-order it from us. We'll uh, be able to get it for you at a pretty good price. Or go to our website, uh, wordofmessiah.org. Uh, and you'll be able to see everything there. But the DVD series called Redeemed is out, and they wanted to make sure that of all the commentaries on the Book of Ruth, they wanted our commentary uh, because we handle it in a way to show the whole Bible. The Book of Ruth was placed in the Scriptures uh, to foreshadow and to prepare the people of God for the greater ministry. Uh, it would be to the Jew first, but not to the Jew only. And so we see in the Book of Ruth what God was doing that the book of Romans actually speaks of very directly. We see in the book of Ruth, uh, a non-Jewish woman, Ruth a Moabite, used by the grace of the Redeemer, Boaz, to bring back a lost sheep of the house of Israel, uh, Naomi. Uh, and point by point throughout the book of Ruth, it reflects what, uh, what is exactly found in the book of Romans and the calling the Gentiles have uh, to reach the lost sheep, to make Israel jealous, as Paul writes. And so because of that, uh, Rose Publishing uh, wanted to make sure this gets uh, not only in every bookstore, regarding my commentary, uh, that's available on the back table, uh, but also the DVD series. They think it's the teaching that really the body needs to know about. Uh, and so my, my other book, uh, Messianic Foundations, goes into some depth on the calling we have together. But in any case, there's a lot of stuff to help us focus, move ahead, see what God is doing, and to uh, work with him. But my, the, my favorite books on the table are the ones written by my wife. She's the smart one in the family. And so uh, her newest book, Eternally Desired, uh, has to do with the Jewish wedding and how the Messiah, how he uses about the bridegroom cometh and all the elements of the wedding are throughout the Gospels showing his relationship with his people, uh, and all those elements that are so pertinent to our walk with God uh, and our hope. And so uh, this is a really exciting reading. I think you'll find it really, really edifying. I know I do. Uh, so please fill this out. Uh, keep us in prayer. We'll send you our newsletter. And I think that's all the deal I have to say on that. Uh, any other questions? Talk to you later in the back of the theater. Um, we're going to take a look at a portion of Scripture. Turn to Matthew chapter 28, if you will. Matthew chapter 28. 
Uh, for those who are familiar with uh, my books on, on the festivals of Israel, a lot of materials back there on that. Uh, but when you read through the festivals of Israel, as you're turning to Matthew 28, uh, we see that be, for some reason God has uh, outlined all the redemptive program of his uh, according to the festivals of Israel, found in Leviticus 23. Don't turn to it, I'm not going to refer to that now. But we see it all the way from Passover, our salvation, all the way through the last festival, uh, the uh, Feast of Tabernacles regarding, uh, that's, that's the portion we'll be studying, uh, Feast of Tabernacles, glorification. And so you have the whole thing, but then plunk in the middle of it, you have the strange verse. Uh, now, I mean that with all due respect. The strange verse there about, you know, that uh, after Pentecost with the promise of the Holy Spirit and before the fall festivals, which are the glory, you know, the finale rally of the harvest festivals and all that, strange verse that says, and after, you know, Pentecost, you'll be uh, laboring in the fields, uh, Leviticus 23, verse 22, laboring in the fields uh, and remember uh, the poor, uh, I am the Lord your God. Well, what's up with that? It doesn't have to do with a festival or nothing. It's like, what's that doing here? Well, God wants you to know that after Pentecost and before the Feast of Trumpets, when we hear the last trump, uh, between those periods of time in this redemptive program, our job, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is to be laboring in the fields, thinking of the poor and the alienated, with to have love for them, and this is the life we have, and thus saith the Lord. And so the whole work that we have between those festivals and redemptive program is to be laboring in the fields, in serving. Uh, for those here who are visiting, uh, let me just mention that being a member of a congregation is how you grow. Uh, because it's the commitment that you grow through. Without commitment, there's no growth. Uh, ideas you hear in sermons are really irrelevant unless they're applied. Uh, they have to be implemented. Uh, Jesus said, if you know these things, blessed are you who do them. The blessing is in the doing, not in the know. You got to know to do, okay. But it's the doing where the blessing is, John 13, 17. And so, Implementation is essential for our growth, uh, for the witness, for our testimony together uh, as families grow and as the heads of the home, uh, or they are committed and lead their families in love. These are the things that make up our life and our world. Uh, and in light of this, we labor uh, in love for the Lord's sake. Uh, and so with that in mind, I'd like us to look at the scripture. We're going to uh, my, we're going to read it, and then we're going to ask the Lord to help us understand it. Fair enough? Uh, let's read it in, uh, can you stand with me with the reading of the scripture? Uh, let's read it together. Can you see it back there? You can see okay? You can look in your own Bible, that's cool. That's good. But in any case, uh, let's read it together in unison. Right here, go. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, 
even to the end of the age. Uh, our dear Father, we pray your blessing upon not only the, the reading of the word, but help us to understand uh, its teaching, the truth of it, uh, that we might not be mere hearers but doers of the word, uh, that we might be applying it to our lives, our families, our community, and we might therefore know the truth of the fact that the truth sets us free when we follow it. And so add your blessing to our hearts that you be well pleased, uh, not only with our attention to the word, but its application. And also, Lord, that that will be seen in love one for another, that your name may be exalted. Now we pray as well for the peace of Jerusalem, uh, recognizing that during this age there will be wars and rumors of wars. So we're not taken back by that. But we do pray that you might make us to be instruments of grace, testimonies of your love, uh, that those preaching the good news around the world will be emboldened, will be strengthened, uh, that they will uh, have foreheads like flint and not be daunted by the issues, but be a light in the darkness. May it be said of us as well in our homes and in our community, for we pray these things, B'Shem Yeshua HaMashiach HaNeinu, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen, amen. Please be seated. And so as we take a look at this portion, I'd like to look at just the first two verses that we read, uh, Matthew 28, verse 16 and 17. Uh, when we start off there, uh, I want you to just know this. Thank you very much. Um, well, a gifted person back there. Uh, fruit doesn't fall far from the tree. Uh, but it says here, uh, then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. Well, that makes sense, right? But some doubted. Say what? I mean, hold it a second. If you had hired me to write the Bible, I would have made us look better. Uh, I would have left out those kind of defects. And now you may ask, well, what's the point? point is, there may be people who worship him and yet doubt. Uh, there may be people here who have doubts. Uh, the issue of doubts is normal. It's a part of the human condition. Our faith is actually faith because it's against the backdrop of doubt. We choose to trust the Lord. Faith is intentional. Faith is not some emotional thing overcomes us and we have to therefore, you know, leap tall buildings in a single bound. Faith is intentional. We choose to trust the Lord. And the word doubt there is meant to assure us that that's what faith is all about. Uh, and we can understand the issue of what that means. Uh, it has to do with being in two opinions. Having two opinions at the same time. Two ideas on the same thing at the same time. You say, well, what do you mean? Well, this is brought out clearly where it's used, the same word is used in Matthew chapter 14. We see, remember when the Lord was walking on the water? I don't mean you were there and you remember it like that. I mean, you may have heard about it, read about it, you know, that kind of thing. And so in Matthew chapter 14, the Lord is walking on the water. And, uh, you know, they, and Peter says, if that is you, Lord, command me to come out to you. And so, you know, Jesus says, Bo, come. Hebrew, yeah, come. And so Peter steps out of the boat and is taking a few steps on the water. Now, right there, that's the price of admission. Right there. The whole deal is right there. You know, the, we, we, we call it chutzpah, uh, nerve, boldness, holy boldness to get step out of the boat, right? And then it says, when he saw the wind and the waves, 
he started to sink. And he cries out, Lord, save me, which is like the best prayer. If you don't know what to pray, that's like a good one. Write that one down, Lord, save me. And so the Lord saves him and says to him, Matthew chapter 14 and verse 31, he says there, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Same word. Why did you have two opinions? Well, Lord, you have to understand. You were walking on the water, yeah, and there's the waves. There's you, yeah, and there's the waves. I figured you'd forgive me, the waves might not. And so I had these two options. Do I go with the waves and sink, or do I follow you and make believe there's no waves? Jesus never meant for him to make believe there's no waves. He only calls us where there are waves to show his grace is sufficient. And therefore, he expects each one of us to not only think outside the box, to get out of the boat, uh, to step out of the comfort zone and live for the commitment zone, to press to a mark of a high calling. And so every situation he calls us to, there's always going to be a couple of options there. Am I going to go worship God or my goodness? I think there's going to be, you know, Oh, wow, Germany is, oh, are you kidding me? I've got to forget that, whatever else. I've got to catch the finals in the soccer world thingy-dingy. Because, you know, whoa, the whole world is talking about it. It's trending high. Got to go with the flow here. There's always going to be other issues. But faith is intentional. God expects us to believe on him in the midst of the waves, in the midst of the storms. It's going to be the foundation that's going to keep the house erect, not the lack of storms. And so it's going to be the focus of our faith. And so when we find the issue brought up here, it's a pretty normal situation. We would understand, wouldn't we? I mean, we have a bunch of ordinary folks just like us, uh, called by God as such to be followers. Uh, and there they are, ordinary people. And here is the resurrected Lord of glory. <laughs> Praise God. Here is the Messiah of Israel. Here is the one who died for sins and now raised gloriously from the dead. And I can only imagine them thinking, how can, I'm an ordinary dude. How can I follow, how can I serve him? What in the world do I bring to the table? Oh yeah, he, he's good to go, I got that. But there's some other factors here. There's some other information you got to factor in and realize, I know me. I'm not that kind of guy. I'm not a spiritually-minded person. I'm like a fisherman kind of thing. I do not go into that kind of, you know, hey, I know me, real, you know? Uh, and so, yeah, this, that's always the case. How can you not doubt? In fact, a, a glorious God, how can we possibly serve him? His grace is sufficient. We believe his promise. When he says, come out of the boat, we believe him. He wouldn't lead us someplace he couldn't bring us to. And so we trust him for this. If he leads you into a situation, it's to bring you out. You know, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for he's with me. He didn't bring us in to leave us there. He brings us in to bring us out. And so we trust him. And so we find here disciples just like us, worshiping on a Sunday morning, worshiping. At least we stand up when everyone else stands up and sit down when everyone else sits down. Uh, try to pay attention as best as we can. Uh, and so there we are. But in fact, 
It's in the midst of it all. There may be people with doubts, and we say, well, what about it? Well, we live in a world where you can't talk about your doubts. If you talk about your doubts, people are going to think poorly of you. So we, can't, we live in a community where it's sort of assumed you're not permitted to kind of say, I got a problem with this whole God coming to flesh thing. How's that work? I got a problem. By grace you're saved and somehow I'm just forgiven? I mean, how's that work? People have real questions, genuine questions that are keeping them back from following the Lord. But the culture we live in doesn't give them an opportunity, doesn't give a safe harbor to be able to say, hey, I got a, I got a problem with this stuff. I, don't, I can't get my head around, you know, how I'm going to keep a job, let alone worry about heaven. I mean, you know, what's up with this? How is that going to make a difference in my life that I believe he's Lord or something? Well, I can't see how it connects. People have doubts. We need to have communities where people can have doubts, where it's because God accepts us warts and all. He's like into this as-is business here. And we need communities, we need homes. A congregation is just kind of figment of your imagination. It doesn't exist. Really, what exists is a bunch of families that get together. It's just a bunch of families. And the congregation can't be any stronger than the families that make it up. It's strong families that make a strong congregation. And so you want to understand that the issue here is going to be an issue of having intentional faith, trusting God, actually believing that he's actually right and that I could be wrong. I could be wrong. And so we have these doubts. We need a family. We need community that has a place to be able to be real on the matters. There's no prayer before God unless it's real. If you're angry, let him know it. You say, well, that's not respectful. He knows you. He loves you. He cares about you. If you're hurting, <laughs> no one else can handle it, but he can. And though you got to get real with the deal before you have a real life with God. And so the issue is, well, we can't deal with the doubts because we feel threatened. Someone raises a question, you know, and we end up feeling like, well, I don't know, come on. We shouldn't talk about that kind of stuff. Yes, we should. Yes, we should. How does God deal with our doubts? Let's take a look now at the next section, Matthew 28, verse 18 and following. We're going to take the rest of our time to to kind of look at some principles in there to know how God deals with our doubts. He takes us from where we're at that we might grow in him. He and he is not ashamed to call us brethren. Uh, he loves us the way we are. Uh, and so when we look at the portion here, if I step down here, would that feel, make people feel intimidated and threatened like that? Well, I'm sort of hoping it does because I want to step down here. So anyway. When we take a look at the portion here, it says, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, he deals with doubts by his word. He communicated to them. He wants to speak to your heart where the doubts are. He's not going to judge you for having doubts. He's not going to make you feel like you're a loser or something. Because you can't get your head around these eternal things. Well, welcome to the club. Uh, we're all growing in the grace and knowledge. No one's got the whole thing here. We, we walk by faith, not by sight. 
Uh, we trust him for his word. So his word, he gives his word to minister to our hearts. He speaks to us about these issues. His word in the, in the Bible, that's actually what is the lamp unto our feet. That's the light that lightens our path. It's the word that illuminates. It basically enlightens us uh, uh, to the law and the testimony. If it speaks not according to this word, they have no light, uh, Isaiah 8.20. And so the word is what gives, that's what helps deal with the doubts, you see? Uh, it's not going to be just kind of rolling over and playing dead. And so he speaks to us, his word ministers to us. Let's see what he says here in his word that will minister to my doubts. I'm still growing. How many people are still growing? We're still trying to get our heads around a lot of stuff here, you know? I'm still working on this love thing. I know he loves me. It kind of blows my mind. I still can't, you know, I got it. I'm so thankful for it. I don't, but you know, I'm growing in it. There's a whole lot more about it. Uh, if it's eternal, you grow in it. You never outgrow it if you're growing. And so it says here, he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Stop there. All authority has been given to me on, in heaven and on earth. First question, do you believe that's true? Uh, do you believe it's actually true? I, I don't mean true like, yes, that's what the Bible says. But do you think what he stated is a fact, that he has all authority in heaven and earth? I mean, that, it's sort of a question. Just, you say, are we allowed to ask questions? Well, I'm asking the question. You're not. We'll do that afterwards. You can ask me all your questions you want. It's a rhetorical question. Because if you cannot get your, if you can't accept that fact, you're going to have an issue. Because the real issue of doubt is with that fact. All authority is given to me in heaven and earth. Now I don't mind him having all authority in heaven. Not my business. You know what I mean? Uh, so you say, well, what's that mean? Well, he's in charge of everything that has to do with how I get to heaven is based on him. You say, I thought it was based on Pastor Tim. No, no. Tim would probably be embarrassed if he really said that out loud, you see. No, it's based on Jesus. No man comes to the Father but by me. And so it's all about him. It's all about Jesus. He's in charge of heaven. And most of us say, no problem. I ain't got much to do up there right now anyway. But it's the earth thing that kind of puts us off our game. Because I got a piece of the action here, you know. It's like, okay, uh, what does that mean, all authority in heaven and earth? Well... It means, and simply stated, everything. You say, now what do you mean by that? Is he going to bring up money? Money too, now that you brought it up. Time, talent, treasure, every relationship. He is the Lord over them all, otherwise it's just talk. He has authority over everything in heaven and on earth. Every relationship we have is based upon uh, a wholesomeness if it's under his authority as opposed to me. And so the whole idea of uh, my discretionary income, <laughs> I used to have that before 2008. I had discretionary. I know. <laughs> Point being is that it's up to him. Well, I tithe. Well, be careful. Be careful. You know? uh, it's like 10% for the work of God outside your home, and the rest is for the work of God within your home. It's all the work of God. It's all under his authority. It's not like I go on vacation and leave my brains back home, you know? It's like I go on vacation and I don't leave home without him. 
And so we want to understand it's all under his authority. Because the very issue of the matter is this. Are you convinced of his lordship? Are you convinced that he's lord of all? Because the very areas where he is not lord, that's the area of doubt. And so the very first thing we have to get our heads around is, do I really believe what he's saying? I mean, he said heaven and earth, you know? It's like a package deal. You know, you can't say, I'll take, you're in charge of heaven. I'm still working on the earth thingy here, you know. You can't do that, no. It's an all or nothing deal. He's Lord of all or not Lord at all. Uh, it's not a negotiation issue. God is God, you're not. And so you have to kind of first thing. Being convinced of his lordship. When uh, World War II was going on, we almost lost uh, the Western, we almost lost the war a number of times. Uh, we found that the Germans were just running all over North Africa when the Brits, before U.S. came in the war, the Brits were just like falling apart in North Africa. Uh, they were just at each the officer core each other's throat, all kinds of problems, division, all kinds of disunity and distrust within the British Corps. They sent down Field Marshal Montgomery to take over uh, the British work in North Africa. And the first thing he did when he evaluated the situation, the very first thing he did, he, say, he sent out a memo. They didn't do texting, no emails. Memos. I sent down a memo that said, from now on, orders are to be followed, not argued over. And so the very issue brought the British Army together with focus, and they were able to make a difference then. But not until they understood the unity that they would have. The battle would be won on a very simple thing. Is he true? Do we follow the orders? This is his commands. Are we going to follow them or merely argue about them and decide, well, I'll do it my own way. I'll just fight the fight as I see fit. I like to use, to tell you, I like to use anger to control my home. And therefore, the kids know not to, you know, don't get on my bad side. Well, I, you know, you know it's going to be coming then. And so that, that's how I control. Forget this love thing, this prayer thing, whatever you got going there. I do it the way my dad did it. He yelled, I yelled. He smacked me across the room. That's what I do. That's how you do it. You man up. No, you don't. Who teaches you this stuff? That's silly. That's a barbaric way of just dominating people. That's not the way the Lord teaches us. That's not the way the world works. That's how the world is dysfunctional, the way it is. You know, might makes right and all that. Forget it. No. You have to understand the issues are very different. And so the issue is, are you convinced of his lordship? How many people would say, I don't, don't show hands, I don't, don't like the hypocrites showing off, but never mind. Are you convinced of his lordship? Are, regarding your finances. Regarding your relationships. Regarding the use of time. What about the me time? You had enough of that. Thank you. Don't reinforce the problem. What about all, uh, in other words, those areas, I'll make your own list. 
Because this is what the Holy Spirit will be doing with you. It's a very personal thing. Make your own list, those areas where you have your doubts. Those are the areas you're going to be unconvinced that he is Lord over them. You can't follow his instruction, can't follow his leadership. That's why it comes. The first thing he speaks to it is be convinced of his lordship. We got that? We're good to go? Everyone rolling? Good. When we think about the issue, he goes on from there. Quiet you. He goes on from there and he says, Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, and goes into some detail there. Second thing we want to know, he says here, uh, go, therefore, and make disciples. Uh, there's a command in the verse, it's not go, it's a part, goes a parsable. It really means as you're going, wherever you go. I'm going to go shopping, good, you're good to go. I'm going to go to work, great. You say, what do you mean? All of that is the occasion. The cause for our life is to make disciples. That's the, that's the imperative. That's the command. Make disciples. Wherever you go, make disciples. I'm going on vacation. Good. God has some people there that he'll want you to interact with. I'm going to go to work. That's why God got you that job. There's people they need praying for and be ready of when they have a question or have a concern in their life. You can step up and say, I'm going to be praying for your family. Uh, good, I'm going uh, wherever it may be. I'm just going to take some stuff to the cleaners. Great, make sure you're praying for the cleaners. Pray for the people who work there. Your, your momentary interaction can be a place uh, that actually can make a difference. As I said to Zach earlier today, he's a greeter, and I said to Zach, uh, he's down there greeting now, I think, right? Good dude. Uh, I said, two most important ministries of the congregation need special training. He said, what would that be? And I said, PowerPoint person, because otherwise we have a concert, not worship. <laughs> we forget that. And the second thing is the greeters. The visitors, the only ones who need greeters, you know? And so they're the frontline evangelists. They have to make, they have a momentary interaction where a lot of information is going, you know, and therefore they're going to be people who give the first impression of the community. You know, hello, welcome. You know, uh, if you're going to be the kind of person that says, you're late, get in here. Why are you coming late? Well, first and last time I come here then, okay? You know, no, first, you know, first impression thingy, vitally important. Why do I say that? Because the very issue of wherever you go, it may seem like a very small amount of time. It may seem like almost a superficial interaction. Two ships passing in the night. That's ordained by God. He's on his game. Trust him. All those situations are the occasion. The cause is making disciples wherever you go. Living for him. As you're interacting, uh, if you're interacting with other families and other individuals, uh, you say, well, we're just going to go bowling or something like that. Great, that's the occasion, not the cause. Make disciples. Make disciples. You say, what, what, what do you mean? Listen. You'll notice what it says there. It says, go therefore. You see the word therefore? The word therefore means consequence. In light of this, do that. To the degree you're convinced of his lordship, to that degree and no more are you convinced of his discipleship. I'll repeat that. To the degree... You're convinced of his lordship. To that degree, 
and no more than that. Are you committed to his discipleship? Your commitment to discipleship is based on your being convinced that he's Lord of those areas. If you're not convinced he's Lord of my areas over finance, you're not going to be, a, you're not going to be discipled in those areas. You won't know what the Bible says. You'll be forever being covetous or being in debt or money hungry or, or not able to handle money or something weird, you know. You've got to be careful on these things. Uh, and so if relationships, he's not the Lord of relationships, you'll be living in a world where it's all about, you know, what I'm getting out of the deal. Is she satisfying me? Is he satisfying me? Is he making me feel secure? Is she making me feel good about myself? All of that self-centered kind of approach that is a disaster for marriage and society. You say, well, what makes the difference? Proper discipleship. Proper discipleship. That's what makes the difference. The undiscipled believer, you could be a believer and be undiscipled. You could be a believer, you believe Jesus died for your sins, but not know how that applies to your life. You don't know what it means on the, uh, in real time in the real world. You know, you're just not sure how that applies. You're not, you haven't learned. It's a learned behavior. Faith is intentional. Discipleship is what we learn as we apply our faith. And so when we think about these matters, we want to understand that we are called to be disciples who make disciples. Uh, dads, your children are your disciples. You're making disciples. You say, oh, no, I don't do that. Whether you know it or not, you may not be doing a good job, but you're influencing, you're impacting them one way or another. So don't think you don't have influence just because you're not attending to it according to the word. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. You're making disciples. Let's do a better job. We can't give what we don't have. We need to grow as disciples to make better disciples. And so we want to understand the basic principle here. Listen. To the degree you're convinced of his lordship, you're hopefully you wrote down some areas you're kind of a little squirrely about in relationship issues or financial things or work problem. All those areas have some doubts, right? All the, I'm not sure what to do. I don't know how it's going to go there, you know, whatever. Write them down. That's a prayer thing for you. And in those areas where you have those matters, those are the areas that you want to come to the elders. And you, if you're a part of this community, come to the elders. I got some issues here. I need to learn how, you know, why is my eighth wife no smarter than the other seven? How come I just can't pick a right woman? Well, it's not the wives, bud. You know, you may need some issues to be addressed. Uh, and so when you get to a place, you know, you say, yeah, man, let me just talk to, you know, let me talk to one of those about this and kind of just get some feedback. They're going to love you. They're not going to hate your God. It's not going to laugh at you. No, that's my job. No, I'm not going to laugh at you. No, they're going to love you. They're going to care about you. They're going to say, oh, yeah, it's an area we're all growing in. Let's look at some scripture together and, you know, and it would be like good fellowship, actually. But you need to grow in those areas. Uh, but you have to be convinced of his lordship to be committed to his discipleship. And it's commitment that is where growth takes place. There is no growth, spiritual growth, and victory without commitment. That's just silly. It's just silly. You say, well, I just, I just want to sing songs about, about praising him. Yeah, this is the holy huddle. We get our game plan here. We worship him and get the game plan from the scripture. Out there is the game. 
We got to put the, you know, no team ever won in the huddle. You got to like the team is, the other team is laughing at you. Look, they're doing a victory lap because they had a good huddle. You got to implement the plan, Stan. You know, that's what you got to do. And so when we look at that, it says, go make disciples. The first thing, wherever you go, are there areas that you don't want to let your faith be known? Are there areas where you think, oh, I've had people know I'm a believer, you know? They'll, they'll wonder, you're a believer? Uh, why do you keep cheating me in that stuff? You know, yeah, it's not, that's not, not, good, not good there. Are there areas in the community, are there people you know, wherever you go, that you're not living for the Lord? Those are the areas you want to pray about. I'm not, guilt is not what God uses. Guilt is a substitute for repentance. If you're falling short in some area, the Holy Spirit is showing you that you just go to the Lord and say to him, Lord, there's an area here I need to be growing in. I'm not sure what to do. I'm not sure. Bring it to him. Talk and pray. And then, you know, when you realize, I think I should learn some stuff, let me get some feedback, pray with one of the elders, that's what they do. They're for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service. It's all good. And so we grow together as a community. And so you have to be convinced he's Lord of the area, and then you'll want to find out what, what his word is about that, you see? That's how that works. And so, committed, wherever you go, uh, make disciples of all nations. Do not be picky. God loves everyone. We love everyone the same. You say, but you're Jewish. Yes, I know. God loves us all the same. Jew and Gentile, rich and poor, everybody. He loves us, and we love everyone the same. And so you want to be thinking wherever you go. Am I picky about people? Or do I love the way God loves? Am I going to be reaching out? Am I going to be influencing with people who are perhaps of a different color or people from a different background or people who dress kind of funny or whatever that might be? Uh, so you say, well, why? Because God loves them. It's you who has the issue here. You have some doubts about whether this is going to work or whether people can communicate. Will they understand me and all that? That's you. Lord, help me to love them the way you love them of all people, wherever I go. Because the only job I have is to make disciples of my children and wherever else you send me. And so make disciples of all nations, uh, baptizing them. Uh, you know, what does that mean? Well, the word baptize, uh, my book, Messianic Discipleship, my book, Messianic Discipleship, goes into the background of it and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it has to do with, the word means to immerse, because that's what happens. When you come to faith in the Lord Jesus, you are made part of the body. You're immersed into the body. And so the testimony of that is baptism, when Tim talks to you about it. If you haven't been saved yet, that comes before baptism. You say, well, maybe it'll happen at baptism. Eh, that's, uh, it's a discipleship issue. It has, it has to do with discipleship. It's the beginning of discipleship. And so if you're going to get baptized, which I encourage you, because it's a point of commitment, uh, you'll be making a commitment for the Lord. When you're baptized, you're identifying with him. That's what it means. You're identifying with the Lord Jesus. You say, I'm not sure if I'm ready to do that. No one's pushing you. Faith is intentional. And so we want to understand that you'll be making a commitment to identify with him wherever you go. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, please know this, the Trinity is there. 
But notice, name is singular. There's only one God, and he has this mystery nature, which we accept by faith, though we may not all understand it. It's like getting our head around this stuff. But there's one God, and therefore, we want to understand. You know, that's why we, in congregations I plant, we, we say uh, the Shema and the Vahafta and things. We say, you know, uh, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And therefore, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and might. In other words, if there were two gods, I'd divide it up, you know. But no, there's only one God, the whole dealing thing. And so Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the whole thing is one God. And so we identify with him. One baptism, ongoing teaching. Because he goes on to say there about the matter of, of discipleship. It says, teaching them to observe all things I command you. Not only is it wherever you go, not only is it identifying with him, right? You say, well, I don't want to identify with him. Why? Why? What do you mean, why? Yeah, why? I wear a wedding wing. I'm not, you know, my wife isn't here, but I want everyone to know, you know, taken. I, not, not, you know, I'm good to go. I'm, you know, I'm fine. Taken. I'm not. Why, why, why are you don't want to identify? Why, what, what's up with that? And if you want to pray about that, because you may have a spirit of fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear. It's not from God. If you have a spirit of fear, it's not from God. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Right? 2 Timothy 1.8. So you want to understand these things are not from God. So if you're afraid, oh no, I'm afraid what people say. Afraid my family might say this. Afraid that people at work will laugh at me. Or the guys will think I'm a jerk or some narrow-minded bigot, whatever. You know, well, they, we, we already think you're dumb, so you might as well be a dumb believer. At least they'll tell, oh, I see why you're so dumb. Fine, okay, good. No, uh, why, why are you ashamed? So you know, let's not be ashamed of the gospel. And so the issue here is identifying. Then it says teaching them. Here's how you know if your teaching ministry is good. It's not because people see you. Have, that was a very lovely message. Thank you, pastor. I usually, when people come up to me and they do that, and here's a little heads up for those who will be talking to me afterwards, right? <laughs> First of all, you shake me. That was a very, that was a really lovely. Thing. I don't let go of your hand. I say, "Oh, what did you like about it?" In which case, the person looks at me and thinks, "What have I got myself into?" <laughs> or I'll say, "You know, because I can see you all, right? You can't see everyone. I can see each one of you, except for you hiding behind other people there. I can see you too. And so I see you sleeping." And so, so when you say, oh, that was very nice, I said, oh, yeah? Uh, was it restful? <laughs> what, 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 what do you mean? Well, I saw that you were like in deep prayer. <laughs> you know? And so, the, so I can see you. And so, you want <laughs> and so the issue of teaching ministry is this, teaching them to observe. You say, well, that's it. We're observing you. We're watching you. It's like a trained dog here, you know? Yeah. No. That's not what observe means. Observe means obey, heed. Teaching them to obey everything. The result of proper teaching ministry is going to be putting it into practice. That's what makes a teaching ministry, is that people are implementing the truth. And so discipleship, first of all, it's a one-time thing of identifying with them. It's an ongoing ministry of teaching them everything that he has commanded. 
And so you want to understand the issue here. The commandments there, remember, we're not intimidated by that. That's God's priorities. That's the things that we act upon, that we therefore focus. The parables kind of got kind of stuff going on there. You know, you can't take them literally, really. Otherwise, you go big up, dig up everyone's yard looking for that lost treasure thing and all that. You know, that'll get you in jail again. But don't do that. So, no. It's, it gives you spiritual insight. That's what the parables are for, you see? But when he puts a command, it's a point of action. And the commandments of God are the convictions of the saints. We are people of conviction. Why do you do that? It's his word teaches. What do you mean? That's what his word teaches. It doesn't make sense. You don't know the teacher. Well, why do you give 10% of your money to that place? That's what, the, that's, what, that's what my teacher taught me. You mean Tim? No. Jesus. It doesn't make sense. It's supposed to make sense to you. You don't know the guy. What can I tell you? And so, you know, why do you want to share the gospel with people? I'm under orders. What's that mean? Do it make you happy? Not always. Why do you do it? This is how it rolls. That's what my job is. It doesn't pay well, but that's the job, you know? And so we want to understand the issue. The teaching ministry is going to be seen. Uh, this is part of discipleship. When you get baptized, if you're going to get baptized, that means I'm going to be a follower of the Lord. Because it says baptizing them, several parcels here, as you go, that's the parcel, keep going. Wherever you go, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know, you're going to get that done. And then teaching them to observe. So you're going to have this as an ongoing lifestyle. If you're going to be baptized, you're identifying with him and don't leave home without him. You say, well, you're making it seem like a real deal here. Put on your adult big boy pants and let's get down to it. You know what I mean? Uh, because we've got real things to deal with. Our families need help. Our community needs help. This world is in desperate need. We've got to stop being self-centered and think it's all about my pleasures, what I like to do, my time off, all of that. That is just a problem. That is not the solution. The solution is found in following the Lord. Discipleship. And so he says they're teaching them to observe all that I commanded you to do, and then he concludes, and I conclude as well. L'chaim. And lo, originally, behold, take note of this, but I want you to notice something. I like this translation. You see the word and? It's connective. What, they all connect together. Uh, and the first one, are you convinced of his lordship? Did you get that? It connects with the therefore. The result of that is discipleship. If you're convinced of his lordship, you'll be committed to his discipleship. Therefore. But then another connective. In other words, if you're convinced of his lordship, you have a lovely say, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You are completed in his fellowship. Because if you're not convinced of his lordship, you're going to be thinking, I, you know, in this situation, not the kind of place I want to like do my, uh, you know, religion card, 
kind of play the religion card. No. Well, guess what? You're not, you're not walking with the Lord. You're not in fellowship with him. They all connect together. And therefore, as we grow in his lordship, we grow in his discipleship, and we are blessed in his fellowship because God will have you in places that no one else will walk with you, but he'll never leave you or forsake you. I am with you always to the end of the age. And so we want to put the whole package together to understand what God is calling us to do. And a congregation is a disciple-making machine. Believers come to faith by the grace of God. Our stewardship with our children and everything else is to make disciples, to help them to grow in the Lord, to glow and go with him, to live for him and honor his name wherever they go, whether in school or they're getting a job or whatever issues our kids are facing. We need to model those things so we can actually help them uh, live the life they have to live as well and make a difference. I am with you always to the end of the age. This is a great deal. Uh, there was a mailman. Do you guys get your mail delivered to your homes here in, in this country? Yeah? yeah? What a country. Uh, but don't go postal just because I brought it up. Point being, this mailman was delivering his mail, and he was whistling and happy, and, you know, and they looked at him like, you know, what are you so happy about? You know? Uh, and so he looked at him and said, you want to know I'm happy? Yeah. Well, you see this little postcard? Yeah. <laughs> what of it? The whole U.S. government is backing me, supporting me, and helping me <laughs> until I get this little postcard delivered. I got the whole U.S. government as my kind of backup squad covering me everything until I get this little postcard delivered. All authority is given me in heaven and earth, and I'm with you always. You may have a small message to deliver. It may be a postcard-side seed to share with someone, but the whole government of the universe is backing your play. All authority in heaven and earth will never leave you, will never forsake you. It is there with you. He may send you someplace, but he is with you. He gives you what you need. You've got what it takes, but it'll take everything you got. I didn't say it would be easy. I said it would be worth it. This is the calling we have. This is the calling we pass on to our children and our children's children. That is, if we'll believe what he says, he'll deal with our doubts. So we may give hope to others who don't know where to go or where to turn. Let's pray. To bow our hearts before God, it's my custom to just encourage people uh, to kind of, you know, God hears your heart. We have to speak out loud for one another. But all your thoughts are clearly understood, heard by him. And so, you know, do business. If there are areas of doubt, talk to him about it. You know, just cast your cares on the Lord because he cares for you. Scripture says that. First Peter 5, 7. So cast your cares, bring it to him, all your anxious thoughts, all your concerns, all those doubts, all those problems, all those things you don't know what in the world to do about your relationship that's dead end, uh, the deadness of life, whatever it may be, 
no sense of respect, no sense of security. Bring it to him. Bring it to him. He wants to address it and comfort your heart and minister and help you have a victory in those areas. And if you're here and you're saying, I, I really need to trust him as my Lord, as my Savior. I need to really make, I need to trust he died for my sins, raised from the dead, he's Lord. If you're here and that's your prayer need, I want to pray for you. Right where you are, right where you are. If you're here and, you, and that's your need, just raise your hand once so I know to pray for you. Right now in closing, just raise your hand. You're saying, yes, what I need. I need to make him my Lord. I need to make my Savior. You know, I need him. Right where you are, just raise your hand. Yes, sure. Yeah, everyone else's eyes are closed. I, I can see you. Yep, see your hands. Sure. Yep, yes, sure. Absolutely. Anyone else? Our God and Father, how thankful you are that you just accept us fully and completely in the beloved, warts and all. You, by your grace, we're saved through faith in Jesus. And so even now, Lord, thank you for that assurance. What was done at the cross is enough for any one of us, as doubtful as we may be. But yet, Lord, you take us as is, but yet you help us to grow in the grace and knowledge. Help us to grow, Lord, in these areas uh, that we might become more than conquerors than those areas where the enemy had us on the run because of doubt and confusion and division that we might in those very areas be able to believe your word, move forward, and be able to do your work. Add your blessing, we pray. This we ask in the name of our Messiah, our King, Jesus. Amen.